0: More of the Josh Scanlon podcast? Please. Please. Here you go. The Josh Scanlon podcast starts right now. Welcome to the Josh Scanlon podcast. This episode first appeared as a video on my YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash Planning. I hope you find it informative. Thanks. Happy Mother's Day edition, my friends. Happy Mother's Day to all your moms out there. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Here in uh, North Georgia, it is a blistering day. As a matter of fact, I just got done mowing and here in a little bit. I'm going to throw some kebabs on the grill. and I can't wait for that. Uh, pick some flowers from the rose bushes. We have many rose bushes bushes outside, and man, nothing better than freshly picked rose bushes from your own uh, that on your own land, which is pretty cool. All right, so today I want to talk about is doing some research on the the new military, what's called blended retirement system. I'm not going to talk about that in this episode. Maybe at some point I will. I'll bring one of my friends on who's an expert for that. Uh, but I want more to talk about survivor uh, survivors benefit plan, SBP, the survivorship benefit plan, SBP, which is a pension that you get. So an SBP, if you're retiring from the military, you're going to get after 20 years, you'll get a pension and you can take the full pension and you'll die. And then your spouse doesn't get anything. That's how one side of it works. Or you can actually take the survivor benefit part of it, SBP, and you pay a premium for it and your spouse gets 55% of your Benefit. So if you were making $2,000 a month as your pension, uh, he or she will get uh, $1,100 a month uh, for that. And that's called a Survivor Benefit, benefit Plan, SBP. Um, and I came across this guy. I actually like his stuff quite a bit. As a matter of fact, I forgot his name. Hugo, and he's from the Your Military Money. Because I was looking in the research on the new blended retirement system that the military offers. And uh, that just rolled out. Uh, this year. So all new enlist bees, and I, I don't know what it's called for an officer. I, I don't know. But for all new people enlist in the, uh, in the enlisted ranks, enlistees, and I guess they're all ops, officer corps. I don't know what it calls when you go in as an officer, but whatever that person. So whoever shows up and signs up in the military starts as of 1 January 2018 will be part of the new benefit, uh, blended retirement system, which I actually wish they had when I was in. So I served three years and 14 weeks in the infantry on active duty, and then another six in the National Guard, six or four. I can't remember. Anyway, I served, you know, less than 10, but uh, basically two tours. Yeah, I think it was just four, but I forgot. But anyway, at the end of the day, I didn't get anything when I ETS, the enlistment enlistment terminated status, ETS. So when I got out of the military, I didn't get anything. I had nothing to show for it. Now, the new BRS, blended retirement system, is going to give you something to show for it, Uh, through the TSP, the Thrift Savings Plan. And I think that's actually pretty cool because, say, someone like me who serves one or two tours, hey, we appreciate your service. Here's a going away present in terms of the vested amount that you have in your Thrift Savings Plan. And that's that's wonderful. And they didn't offer that to me. On top of that, if you serve 12 years, they'll give you a bonus. was almost like a a re-enlistment bonus. They call it something. um, There's some terminology they use for it. I can't remember off the top of my head. But they'll give you a a lump sum of money uh, to keep you in for another tour so if you serve 12 years they'll give you this congratulatory you know seven eight thousand bucks whatever it is is based on your salary your rank and whatnot obviously it's based on your job and if you're doing infantry stuff i imagine well i don't know i'm not sure how it works i just know if you have a highly skilled technical job that's in high demand you're probably gonna get more than if you had just an infantry job that's in the low demand, but I don't know that to be true. I I don't know, but I just, I don't know if infantry is considered low demand and, you know, the doctor is high demand. I I don't know how that would work out in terms of the the amount of money you get after you serve your 12. So what happens is you're in your 12 years and usually that's three tours and they say, Hey, we want you to re-up. If you re-up, we're going to give you this X amount of dollars for a bonus to keep you, it says incentivize you to stay another four uh, and, and that will be, if you stay 16, you're going to stay another four to get your pension, if that makes any sense. So what happens is I think this guy, I'll show you who this guy was here in a second, but like 81% of the people or 90% of the people or some significant amount of people who serve in the military separate without any kind of benefit whatsoever, the military is trying to address that to a encourage people to, to sign up. Because if you know, you're only going to serve four. There's nothing out at the end of that four years, uh, no benefit other than, you know, some small VA loans and whatnot, but not much. So they're going to say, we're going to give you at least a little bit of a help uh, for your timer plan through the third savings plan. If you serve 12 years, against three tours, and if you're enlisted, you're probably a decent, you know, staff sergeant, E6, E7, sergeant first class, maybe an E5, depends on what, you know, what your job is, I don't know, but You're still you're a highly educated for the military and your job as an NCO. And that is the backbone of the military. Those highly well-trained NCOs, non-commissioned officers, uh, are critical uh, to stay in the military. So they're sitting there. I'm thinking, all right, got 12 years in. I got uh, probably nothing to show for it in the previous thing, because a lot of these guys, these soldiers, and I'm just using the army now, I think is applicable to all branches. But a lot of the soldiers said I didn't have any money to put away in the Thrift Savings Plan. So now I'm like, I'm 30 years old, I joined when I was 18, I'm 30 years old, I got nothing to show for it. Um, but man, I, I don't, my knees are getting out, I just don't want to go to the field anymore, I don't want to deploy. Um, I got, you know, wife and kids at home, I'm, I'm just ready to call it a career. And that's a big loss for the military, that's a huge loss for the military, because that guy, that's that staff sergeant right there, that lady, has a significant amount of experience in that job, that military occupation, especially, MOS. And even as eleven Bravo, like I was, if you're eleven Bravo and you got twelve years experience, I mean that is a significant person for your unit. Those people need to stay in the military. So the military is saying we're going to reward you, and they call it something I can't. I'm just drawing a blank what the terminology is. They're going to reward you with a cash bonus to incentivize you to stay in because they know if you serve, if you re up at twelve, that means you're going to be until you're sixteen years. And no one's getting out after 16 because that'd be stupid because you only got four years left before you fully qualify for the pension. No one's getting out at 16, so they're saying, "Look, if we can incentivize you to stay from 12 to 16, we're good. You're going to stay from 16 to 20." And I, I mean, I guarantee that happens 99% of the time. Conversely, on the other hand, there's also probably a lot of pretty good people who could be good soldiers, um, but don't want to risk it. They say, "Well, I don't want to go in for one tour, four years, for instance, and not have any. You know, I'm going to sacrifice all this money." That could be going to school. I could be in college. I could be at work. All this money that I'm I'm gonna is an opportunity cost. I'm losing money that I could have in my 401k at my work or whatever, and and I don't want to let that I don't want to waste that, to lose that potential for that money to, to a accumulate and b grow. So the military is now saying, oh, don't worry. We have a similar thing, a defined contribution plan, the TSP, where you put money in and we'll match it. And when you ETS, either after four years or eight years, whatever it's going to be, that's you're fully vested in it. That's freaking awesome, man. That's fantastic. And so that way, let's say you serve serve two tours and you're eight years in, you get $40,000 in your TSP because they're going to give you 5% match, my friends. 5%. That's 5% real money. And again, I don't know what the pay scale is right now for the military. I just don't know. But let's just say you got 40,000 in your TSP after eight years. You know, if you separate from service, then that's yours, man, that is your money. Hopefully you did a Roth TSP, but either way, it's still, that's yours. And it can't be taken away from you. Uh, that's a pretty good incentive too to encourage people a, to stay in. And maybe those guys like I was after four years, again, three years and 14 weeks, but whatever, after my first tour, i say, say, eh, I'm not sure if I want to stay in, but I don't think I'm going to make it until 20. But, you know, there's a value there to keep that guy in for another tour for sure. So. Uh, I, I think it's a fantastic, the blended retirement system. I'm, I'm stoked for it. Now, you do you are going to lose a little bit of your pension after 20. Well, I'll, just, I'll go and finish up what we're talking about, the BRS. So you, once you hit the 20 years, this would be a good segue into <laughs> the Survivor, the Survivor um, SBP, Survivorship Benefit Plan, Survivor Benefit Plan that you get as a pension. So let's just say you serve 20 years, whereas before, I think you're getting two and a half times salary, um times your highest salary, your high your high three, your three year salary. So you know, you're making three thousand dollars a month as your highest three years, you get uh two and a half times that off top of my head. No, it's uh yeah, two and a half times. I can't remember off the top of my head how it works, but it's two and a half times, that's gonna be reduced to two times, if that makes sense. So off the top of my head, if you were making three thousand dollars a month, you're gonna get, you know, some portion of that is forty forty five percent. That's what it was, and now it's forty percent. Is that what it is? I can't remember but anyway. We'll get more detail on that later on, because the whole point of this is when you retire in this stage, you're going to still get a benefit. I think it's forty percent. That's what it was. It's forty percent of your top three, whereas before fifty percent of your top three. I think that's it. And I forgot with the two and a half to two percent, so it drops from two and a half percent times the number of years served, I think, to two percent. Yeah, it is what it is. So it's two. And a, it used to be two and a half percent. That's what it was. It used to be two and a half uh, times the number of years served. So if you served 20 years um, t- times 2.5, it would be 50% of your, of your uh, pre-retirement salary. That's what it was. So if you were served, again, 20 years and you retire, you'd get 50% of your pre-retirement salary for the top three years, if that makes sense. And so, if you're making three thousand a year, a month, I should say, you get fifteen hundred bucks of that. And if I'm off, the numbers don't do not retire based on me yapping here. But that that's pretty much my understanding of how that worked in the old uh, system. It was two and a half times the number of years you were in as a soldier, and that would give you the amount of your percentage of your top three for salary. Okay, now it's two percent of the number of years you were as a soldier. And that would give you the t- percentage of your top three as a salary, your top three earnings years. So now it's you serve 20 years, you get 40% of your top three years in salary. Whereas before, if you serve 20 years, you get 50% of your top three in salary. On the other hand, you serve, you only get 40% of your top three as a salary for serving four, uh, 20 years. But now you're going to get the TSP because they're putting in money in there as long as you contribute as well. And I think they're actually even giving you 1% no matter what. Don't quote me on that. But my understanding is they're going to give you 1% even if you don't do anything. So there's still you're. I mean, I'm not saying which is better or good. It doesn't matter anymore because at the end of the day, this is for all new soldiers going in as of one January, 2018. All right. So that's a blended retirement system in a nutshell. Again, before you act on it, man, here's the, uh, the DOD. MilitaryPay.defense.gov. So just you know, look at that. MilitaryPay.defense.gov. But what I wanted to talk about was this guy here. My man uh, Hugo was an Air Force pilot. Just retired at your military money, and he's got a video on here. Actually, let me minimize myself. That I like quite a bit. I survivor benefit plan versus life insurance. I'm I, this. I like it. The guy's uh, a very well spoken guy. He explains it very well. Easy to understand. Um and, and I like how he does this now he just got out and again I don't know what's called for officers it's for enlist it's called e t s so that means you separate from service and uh and he's married with uh with kids and whatnot, so it was an important thing for him to consider the survivor benefit plan i so I commented on here because I agreed literally hundred percent what they said, and I said I hear all the time about folks sacrificing survivor benefit plan to get a permanent life insurance policy, and so what that means is when you take the SBP, you're going to pay a monthly premium for that. All right. So the SBP, the survivor benefit plan means that your surviving spouse will get 55% of your pension. So going back to what we just talked about, say you're going to get uh you know, 2000 a month as a pension and then you die, your surviving spouse is going to get $1,100 a month, all right, for the rest of her life or his life, however it works. Now for that you're paying a premium of like 250 bucks or 260 bucks. I don't know what it is today, but it's, it's not insignificant by a stretch of the imagination. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's high. And so what the alternative, a lot of people say, well, just buy a life insurance policy with the amount of the premium you're going to pay for the SBP. And so that way you get your full SBP, you get your full pension, that full 2000 a month. And you don't have to sacrifice that $260 a month for the pension. And for the survivor benefit program, the, the, again, because the SVP to have that survivor benefit, there is a cost to you. There is a premium that you pay for that. Again, let's just say it's 260 bucks. It's something like that. And so the idea would be, well, you get to keep, if you don't do that, the SVP, you'll get the full 2000 a month. And you can pocket that extra $260 because that is money that would have gone towards the uh, survivor benefit plan but you have to replace it with something would be the argument and the replacement would be a life insurance policy. And in theory, this makes sense. And I'm not against this, not against this. But what I say here is I, uh, people who sacrificed their SBP, who did not pay for the survivor benefit plan, but instead they bought a life insurance policy or a permanent life insurance policy. And what I say is just make sure you proceed with extreme caution, extreme caution, Because I cannot begin to tell you, and this is absolutely true, and I show in my other YouTube videos about people with permanent life insurance, that'd be whole life or universal life, and their policy doesn't perform up to what they thought, and the whole life is just expensive, no getting around that, but the policy did not perform up to what they thought, especially for universal life, and now they're going to be 75 years old, not doing so good health-wise, but the policy is going to lapse. So all the money that they thought they were saving by not paying for their premium on a survivor benefit plan, they're going to use that to a whole uh, universal life insurance policy. But now they're going to get 70 years old, 75 years old. They're not in great shape, but, man, that policy is not done well because the interest rates have stayed low. The cost of insurance has gone up, and now it's not only going to cost that 250 bucks a month that initially they had, but it's actually going to cost a lot more because they got to deliver cash to keep the policy solvent. I know that's a lot to think about. I get that. That's why you need to seek counsel on this stuff this is critically important. But I'm just telling you, just don't fall from a salesman. The idea of I'm going to sacrifice my survivor benefit. Instead, I'm going to buy a life insurance policy without giving it due research. Again, I'm not saying don't do that. Just you got to research it, my friends, that please, please, please is critical. You cannot die and have no life insurance and no survivor benefit. I mean, you can, I don't want you to do that. That's bad, 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 bad. Don't let that happen to you. And so what you gotta do is you gotta make sure at the end of the day, okay, Mr. Life Insurance Salesman, I wanna see the worst case scenario. What's gonna happen if that policy does not perform? And that is what you wanna get if it's a universal life policy. When is this puppy, if it doesn't perform, going to require cash infusion from me. And they can run the quote for it. They can run the illustration. In fact, I don't have any here. But when they run you the illustration to pitch you on the product, they're going to show you the assumed, and they're going to show you the guaranteed costs and the assumed rates of return, the assumed costs, and then they're going to show you the guaranteed rates, the guaranteed costs. you got to look at the guarantees because that is the minimal. That the, that's, that's the guaranteed minimum that the insurance company is going to offer you. Now, a lot of times they'll say, oh, don't worry about it. It's only happened once in the history of mankind or something like that. Okay, that's fine. That doesn't mean it can't happen again. (laughs) Yes, it might have only happened once in the history of mankind, but that doesn't mean it can't happen. And on top of that, if it was so safe, then why are all these people running out of their life insurance policies? I see it with my very eyes, my very eyes. The worst case scenario is a guaranteed minimum. The assumed is what they're paying today with the cost, the interest rates and all that. And then as soon a fair you know, fair, uh, a fair, proposition, don't get me wrong, but it doesn't have to be. It's not binary. It doesn't have to be the assumed or the guaranteed. It could be halfway down the middle. And again, you don't want to be 75 years old and your policy is going to blow up in your face and your cash flow is tight. And all of a sudden you don't have anything to take care of your surviving spouse. That's the wrong answer. At least the survivor benefit plan, the SVP, you know for a fact that he or she's going to get 55% of your pension. And that's a COLA adjusted too, by the way. So that's a big deal. Now, if it's whole life, at least the nice thing with whole life, you know for a fact, if you pay X, you will have that life insurance for literally your whole life. That's what it works. So you know for a fact that the premium is 500 bucks a month and you pay 500 bucks a month, you will have that life insurance. That's not debatable. You don't need to worry about so much. So whole life. Actually, is my preference if you're going to uh, avoid the survivor benefit plan instead of instead buy a life insurance policy, um, whole life is my preference absolutely because you know upfront if you do X, you will get Y at your death. Your spouse will get Y at your death. No, no getting around that. The reason why a lot of the salesmen don't sell you whole life though is because it's freaking expensive. It's expensive. I can almost assure you the premiums on whole life will be more than the premium premiums on your survivor benefit plan. So if your survivor benefit plan premium is two hundred and sixty, and your whole life premium is five hundred and fifty, let's just say for instance, and your whole life does it give you two hundred and fifty thousand dollars of coverage? And I don't know if that's a good trade off. That again, you need to crunch the numbers there. But generally speaking, I like the survivor benefit plan. Now, one thing I did want to talk about, and I was telling him here, is that if you are active today, like my man Hugo here, and again he's not anymore, I'd like for you to go to USA, and I used to work at USA. Want, because Hugo talks about uh, VGLI, uh, yeah, I don't think he puts his, you know, he doesn't have much in notes, so that's too bad. Uh, he talks about VGLI, which is Veterans Group Life Insurance, um, and transitioning from SGLI, Soldiers Group Life Insurance. So when you're in active duty, you have this thing called SGLI, it's like Employer Life Insurance, right? Basically, it's Employer Life Insurance. It's cheap, it's guaranteed, and you pay a little bit, and the government pays most of it. It's, it's a great thing you should have, for sure. But what my man Hugo is saying is when he trained, and he's going to be financially saved because he's got savings. He's got real estate. He's got his pension his social security, his spouse social security. And that's generally speaking what happens with the military is a lot of times there's not a huge amount of liquid assets, but there are lots of guaranteed assets so guaranteed pensions and whatnot, which is, is phenomenal. But anyway, so he talks about VGli, And the only thing I challenge him on is the cost of VGli, veterans group life insurance is absolutely astronomical. Once you separate from service, you know, it's just going to be tough to make an argument for VGLI. The only benefit about VGLI, Veterans Group Life Insurance, that it is guaranteed. So once you separate, they, they can't say, oh, you got you know, heart disease or you smoke eight packs a day. They have to take you on. There's no other way around that. But because it's guaranteed, they're going to charge you an arm and a leg. And so what happens is anyone is going to pay the same for the same amount of uh, VGLI insurance for the same age. And I talked about this in my book, strategic money planning, right here, strategic money planning, eight ways to get your ho- financial house in order. I, I'm not a fan of VGLI and I'm not a fan of employer sponsored life insurance when you separate from service generally, because it's freaking expensive. It's the rates that oh, I, th- I think I have a chart in here, but the rates are banded. So the older you get, the more expensive it becomes. In fact, I think I'd, yeah. So let me give an example. VGLI, 50 to 54 years old, if you want $400,000 of life insurance, it's going to cost you $144 a month. Uh, the minute you go from 54 to 55, the premiums go to 268 a month. And you're not likely to die at 55 to 59 years old. And so it from it just gets more and more and more expensive. I mean, ridiculously expensive the older you get. And even if you're in fit shape like my man Hugo here is, he is basically paying a significantly higher premium then me, who smokes eight packs a pack today, I don't. But if I work to uh, because he's subsidizing me, that's how employer and group life insurance works. The fit subsidize the less fit. It's just no getting around that, rightly or wrongly. And with VGI because it's guaranteed issue, it, they're just going to say, if you are this age and you want this amount of life insurance, this is going to be a premium. It doesn't matter if you're fit. doesn't matter if you're about to keel over. Nothing matters, which means the fit subsidize the less fit. So VGI can work. Make sure my mic's still there. It worked actually very, very well for people who are sick. I get that. But for someone like Hugo, he absolutely should not do that. So what he should do, and this is what I love with USA, and I was military life insurance coverage. A military protection plan is what it's called, MPP. And when I was there, I used to tell everyone who was on active duty to friggin' buy the MPP, military protection plan. And here's why. It's term life insurance, all right? But what happens is it's guaranteed SGLI replacement. So when you separate from service, you can get enough to replace your SGLI guaranteed up to SGLI is four hundred thousand dollars. But what happens is, so insurance that grows you. If you're between eighteen and thirty-five, you can get another hundred thousand term life. When you marry, buy a house, have a baby, uh, coverage during time of war. It's not, you know, prohibitive when you for wartime, which a lot of life insurance companies is. Uh, lots of benefits here, but the best benefit is that they, basically, when you separate from service, you can get up to the SGLI without having to prove to be underwritten again, which is without having to go through another underwriting. So let's just say you're a 22 year old soldier. And you say, "Man, I, you know, I, at the end of the day, I'm going to try to stay in for another 18, but I'm not sure I'm going to make it. But I want to make sure that my wife and children are squared away with life insurance when I die." You buy the Military Protection Plan from USA. Plus, if I'm not mistaken, um, you anyway, know MPP. You buy this policy with USA. Say two hundred fifty thousand dollars life insurance, a thirty-year term. Cost thirty-five bucks. I don't know what it is. Maybe say thirty-five bucks a month. It's incredibly cheap. You're being underwritten for a young man who's in great shape today, and that underwriting will never, ever, 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 ever change. You will always be for real. Uh, for, that will always be the price you pay as if you were a 22 year old man uh, who's uh, in great shape. It'll never go up, it'll never go down either, but it'll never go up. And so when you separate from service, you can say, I do not want that VGLI. Remember, you're gonna be forced to lose your SGLI, which means the only option is you go to VGLI, which is incredibly expensive. But if you have this military protection plan at USA already in the background, you can go buy it. You cannot buy it, you just say USA, I'm losing, I'm dropping my VGLI, and instead I'm going to replace that with my military protection plan. A wonderful option that USA offers. I don't know why they don't advertise enough. It's fantastic, and you should do it because you're going to be, bas- USA is going to say, you got it. It's going to, they're not going to get underwritten again, which means even if you got sick in the interim from when you took this policy out versus where you are today when you're getting ready to separate from service, you, it doesn't matter you've already been unwritten. You've already went through it. You've already had it, which means you can now have the comfort knowing, ah, I'm the premiums are based on me as a 22-year-old soldier when I first took it out when I was in tip-top shape. My friends, you've got to get military protection plan at USA. It is wonderful. And if you're active duty, um, I think it's actually even for not guardsmen too. Don't quote me on that, but I think it might be for guardsmen too. But if you're active duty, man, so just think about it. SGLI doesn't cost, I don't think, I'm not sure what it costs, but it's not much. So it's basically pennies. But you're going to separate from service at one time. At some time, you might have a a medical issue, which means the only option you're going to have is VGLI. VGLI is just daggum expensive. If you get the military protection plan when you're as young as you possibly can, because it's cheap, you're going to have that covered. You're going to have it covered for cheap pennies on the dollar relative to VGLI. So I want to talk about that because I think it's critical to understand that there is a benefit out there called the military protection plan with USA. Um, and again, I don't work, I don't get anything from these guys. I, I don't work there anymore. I'm still a member, four generations of membership with USA. And I do have some of my pet peeves with USA when it comes to the investment side of it, but when it comes to the insurance side, it's fantastic. And then finally, if you're going to do it, man, get it for 30 years. For heaven's sake, just get for 30, don't drop that puppy and let it go for the rest of your life. So in that case, should you take benefit plan but if you got four hundred thousand dollars of usa life insurance coverage all right as term now and here's a drawback term will go away most likely before you do in fact i think there's studies like two percent of all term policies actually pay out now with usa the nice thing is most insurance companies anymore is that you can convert the policy to a permanent policy later on down the road so now you're 65 years old you still got your term you can say oh, i don't want any more i mean i do need the life insurance anymore but the term i want to you know convert that so it's there for the rest of my life because what happens when that 30 years comes up you know and now you're 60 i guess it'd be 55 basically when that 55 year, 45 however many years you got it for when you're at the end of that term that 30-year term the premiums are going to jump through the roof now you can keep it you just got paid a premium and a lot of people at that point will say, yeah, I still want to keep some life insurance, so I'm going to convert this or a portion thereof to a permanent policy, a whole life or universal life, and your premiums are going to increase quite a bit there as well. Um, and, and again, now we're just going back to the risk again of will the policy stay in force when you die? If there's a good chance that you're going to predecease your wife, your surviving spouse, then you got to make sure she, he or she has something to back up the fact that you did not take the survivor benefit plan. You gotta have something, you gotta have life insurance, you gotta have cash, you gotta have something. If you don't do the survivor benefit plan, then you need to do insurance policy. And if the insurance policy is not there when you kick off, then she is in a world of hurt or he, depending on who the surviving spouse is. Now, if the surviving spouse most likely is gonna predecease you for whatever reason you think that's the case, then yeah, you don't need the survivor benefit plan. I mean, what's the point? You're paying pretty significant premiums for policy that for a benefit that you're never going to use. But I don't know if I would want to take that risk that my spouse is going to survive me unless there's some significant reason to think about that. So at the end of the day, do you need the survivor benefit plan? My default, like my man Hugo is here, is yes. If you're not going to get the survivor benefit plan, what is the replacement for it? Well, it's going to be life insurance for sure. Uh, what's the best way to get life insurance is not VGLI new hoo-hoo, is to get a private policy while you're active and USA offers it. I don't know if Navy Federal does, but USA offers a wonderful tool for sure. The third the third thing though is at the end of the day, as you get older and it looks more and more like you're gonna survive or your your surviving your spouse is gonna survive you for whatever reason, how are you gonna make sure that he or she has a cash flow of either pension or life insurance? Um, when you die, and the only two options are a survivor benefit plan or life insurance, and both have risks. Survivor benefit plan has risks that the premiums not cheap. On top of that, it's only going to be 55% of your pre- of your pension. So the idea would be you get a cheaper premium for life insurance, and it'll pay not a percentage of your pension, but it'll pay a lump sum, you know, two or three hundred thousand bucks tax free. Again, it sounds great a theory, but that life insurance is not enforced when you die, then she gets nothing and can't have that happen. So a lot to chomp on. I would definitely, before I just made a quick decision, I'd be running some numbers here on this for sure. And, you know, obviously there's lots of YouTube videos here you can look at for sure. Um, But man, look into it before you make a rash decision, because it could be brutal what you do if you do not have survivor benefit plan, you die, and then you don't have a life insurance as well. All right. Hope this helps It's helpful. Don't forget to give me thumbs up for sure. Don't forget to subscribe. And you see Hugo's little red button there, subscribe. He's got 5,400 people who subscribe to the channel. So he's doing good work. Um, Don't forget to hit this little, where's the bell for notification? Yeah, there's a notification bell on there someplace. Um, Don't forget to hit the, oh, up here. Yeah, so don't forget to hit the notification bell to say you wanna be updated when I put out new content. And of course, comments are always uh, helpful for sure. So if you have an issue or you've had an experience with SVP, or the life insurance options or VGLI, I'd love to hear them. Absolutely. I'd love to hear them. Just put them in the comments below. Lastly, don't forget to go to the, the webpage, heritagewealthplanning.com, heritagewealthplanning.com. And then just Google the Josh Scanlon podcast. And my podcast will come up as well. We'll see you next time on the Heritage Wealth Planning YouTube channel. Thanks, guys.